Coming to you live from the Iceberg Lounge, it is the Hand Plus Podcast, where each week I, Joseph Ricky, and my co-host Tristan Mayer break down this week in streaming. We give you the news, uh, we talk about reviews, uh, anything really involved in streaming, whether it's a trailer that drops or anything, and this is going to be a jam-packed week. We got Star Wars Celebration this last weekend, plus I was just talking about it with Tristan before the episode started, but like HBO Max, which is now just Max, something else we're going to talk about. Uh, essentially had their own like little mini online convention just dropping a massive amount of news uh, for us to talk about. Plus, we also have some things Tristan and I watch and things we think you can either watch or things you can maybe skip. And uh, I have one that's on a service some of you may have never even heard of that I think is the most underrated show on television right now. Can't wait to tell everyone about it. Tristan, how was your week in streaming? It was a crazy weekend. You mentioned that there was not just... Uh, Star Wars Celebration, there was this massive like HBO Max. Maybe it's just Max now. You know, are we not supposed to say HBO? Is that a dirty word? We can't even tell. You know, how are we going to do the Ham Plus now, Joe? Are we going to be the, the Ham? We got to fit, fit Max in there somewhere. We got to see what we're going to do with the acronym, I guess. But yeah, uh, I'm happy with, I mean, I'm happy with the weekend streaming. There was a lot to watch, a lot to talk about. So it'll be a good one. And I, I believe uh, you're maybe muted because I can't hear what you just said. All right, so I am going to. Looks like I am not muted. Hopefully, uh, um, I am going to tell Tristan in the private chat I'm not muted. I can hear you now. All right. So you're good. All right. Might have just like not came in for a few seconds there. All right, so looks like we're off to a great start, technical wise. <laughs> uh, let's kick it off with Hulu. A little bit of news, and uh, I watched something else. And uh, we will talk about that as soon as I get that document up because I was not prepared. All right, Hulu news. American Horror Story adds Emma Roberts, Emma Roberts, and Kim Kardashian potentially as season leads. Tristan, you're an American Horror Story fan. I've seen like two total episodes. So is this something you care about? We've seen Kim Kardashian act a couple of times, and she's always horrendous. So <laughs> yeah, I think she'll uh, be an interesting addition to this. I hope that they kind of lean into the ridiculousness of it. I hope she's not like truly trying to give a good performance because that might be too much to watch. But I feel like if if it's campy and it's goofy, I could see a lot of fun with that. I don't really know what the season of American Horror Story is going to be. They don't really announce a theme or the the premise of these seasons usually until like it starts or like a couple of days before. So you don't even really know what it's going to be about until you watch it. So we'll see how they nail the. The crazy casting here, but I love this show. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Emma Roberts has been in uh, this show a couple of times before in some previous seasons. Uh, she was in the witch, the witch season early on in the show, ish. So I'm excited to see her come back and be a lead here. So I'm really curious to see uh, how this casting pays off, and I'm really excited to watch this season of the show. All right, yeah, I'm glad you're excited for it. I'm probably not going to watch it. It would take some insane reviews to probably get me to watch it, um, but I am. Uh, I'm happy for people that are fans of this show that it just keeps coming out, you know, as far as this is, it's, I think the 12th season of, of American Horror Story, not counting a couple of spinoffs here and there and a couple of other spinoffs here and there. Yeah, it's just a bunch of spinoffs. You know, it is what it is. I'm not going to watch it, but we just wanted to break the news down for anyone that cares about this franchise still. Um, and as far as what I watched, Tristan, I don't believe you watched anything on Hulu this week, but I actually watched the uh, two-part documentary Pretty Baby, which is about kind of the, it's, you know, she narrates it, Brooke Shields, and about her life, early life growing up in Hollywood as she was basically a sex symbol from the time she was a, a very young child. Basically from the time she was a toddler, she was 
a sex symbol playing these sexualized children in these Italian movies and then she went on to be in Blue Lagoon where she was a teenager uh, and like had a big sexualized coming of age story and kind of her life and how she didn't really realize it at the time or didn't really feel it at the time but how it like basically warped her mentality and messed with her mind and you know there was it was interesting because they had people like Drew Barrymore uh, who like knew Brooke Shields in passing talk about it and you could also if you know much about her growing up being like Drew Barrymore being five years old in Studio 54 and stuff where they had very similar um, upbringings in that way but it was kind of how Brooke Shields mom was just let her kind of doing whatever well she just sat back and partied and you know if you're kind of like a fan I guess of Hollywood or fan of these kind of Hollywood stories, I definitely think it's worth checking out. I think it was really well done. Obviously, Brooke Shields being a part of it helped. You got the real authentic story. You didn't feel like, oh, this is going out against her wishes, or you don't have to feel like dirty and gross watching it, besides the content actually being dirty and gross. But Tristan, have you heard about this? Do you have any interest in this? Yeah, I hadn't heard about this until you started covering it here in the episode, but I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm definitely happy that, you, like you said, it. sometimes these types of documentaries can feel really exploitative and gross to watch like you don't really feel like it's in the best wishes of the person it's about you know but it sounds like this is definitely uh you know her story from her perspective so i'm definitely interested in checking it out yeah like there was one moment where she was talking about how she was like 16 17 years old and the doctor or doctor director wanted her to like scream in ecstasy but she's like 16 17 she has like no idea what that feeling is so he just starts like as she's like kissing the other actor just starts like pulling on her toes and twisting her toes to get her to like scream and it's well just, that's pretty bad it just sounds uh extremely messed up and deranged but like i said if that seems like you know a topic that would interest you i think it's a very well-made documentary it's like a two-part maybe three-part documentary i think it's worth checking out is that like a Hulu original documentary? Then? Yeah, it's a Hulu. It might be like a co-production where it released on Hulu and somewhere else at the same time, but it's like brand new. It just came out like this week. All right. Um, all right. So over to Hulu, uh, or over from Hulu, over to Amazon. Tristan, I know there's a couple of recent movies you watched. Uh, this one you watched on Amazon Prime. I think you also watched it in theaters, and I watched it in theaters as well, and that's Creed 3. A uh, movie that I feel like, because of some news stories, went away rather quickly as far as from the conversation. People, I think, wanted to, people felt a little gross maybe talking about it, so I think it very quickly just disappeared. But what are your kind of qu quick thoughts on Creed 3? Yeah, when it came out, it would definitely kind of hit so hard for, at first, you know, because it was like everyone was talking about it and people were really ex excited about it, particularly Michael B. Jordan's direction and i feel like that's something i definitely want to focus the conversation on is more so i was very impressed with his debut as a director and i think he there was some lacking parts of the script i feel like the story was a little bit you know predictable from the first like 10 seconds of the movie you can pretty much beat for beat say exactly how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen and that kind of like takes a lot of the emotional weight out of some of those some of those story beats but I think as a director, it was very impressive. I thought he brought a lot of visual flair to it and a lot of interesting influences. You know that Michael B. Jordan is a big fan of anime. He's talked about how he wanted this suit in Black Panther to be inspired by like Dragon Ball Z and a lot of the characters that he loved as a kid. And I feel like you can see the Dragon Ball Z influence and a lot of the anime and the video game influence on this 
movie. And I think it's a really exciting kind of change of pace for the Rocky movies. I feel like especially that last fight between Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors at the end, I think is such an impressive new way to do a final fight in a Rocky movie that even though the plot leading up to it was kind of generic, I thought the the style of the finale was so inventive and cool that I felt like it was worth the journey for me. Yeah, I think it was very uh, well directed, very interestingly directed, and I felt like almost, in, I'm looking back on it, I feel like the script almost wasn't worth the direction. I feel like it was, I don't want to say style over substance, but it just felt like, especially in Jonathan Major's character, it was just a lack of characterization. He was too nefarious to root for, but too sympathetic to root against, so by the time the final fight came around, I wasn't like actively rooting for adonis to win so it was just like as the fight was happening i'm like this all looks really cool i just wish i was invested in this fight Mm -hmm. i feel that for sure and that's kind of where i was um but you know i'm excited to see what michael b jordan directs in the future you know i'm definitely going to be seeing his next movie in theaters or where you know maybe it's a straight to streaming but i'm excited for it yeah that's how i felt i left this more excited for michael b jordan's second movie than I am for Creed 4, you know? I thought, yeah. oh, I can't wait to see what Michael B. Jordan does with a more open script, something can something you can really, like, start from scratch on more so than having to fit this very particular formula that I feel like he had to go to. He had to go to those beats of the traditional fight movie beats, and I, I yeah. hope to see him be able to branch out from something so traditional in his next work. Yeah. All right, and I watched a documentary on Hulu, and you watched a documentary on Amazon Prime. You watched Life Itself about... Uh, famous critic roger ebert so i've never seen it i've heard a lot about it people have talked about it for a while what what are your thoughts on life itself yeah i'm a big fan of roger ebert i watched him on tv all the time when i was a kid he's one of the first people that i heard talk about movies in a more thoughtful way and kind of like a critical way and i always look forward to seeing what he would think of all the movies that came out or go see something just because he said it was so good and uh that's just a couple, just a week or so ago, I think it was. Uh, it was the 10th anniversary of his passing away, so I decided to watch Life Itself on Amazon. And if you don't know, this is just a documentary, a biography documentary on Roger Ebert's life. He was this famous critic who worked here in Chicago and had this TV show on every week at the movies where he would review movies week to week, the new releases in theaters, whether it was the big blockbuster and then a handful of small releases. So I, he really pioneered, you know, what you're watching now, the people getting around together and talking about whatever movies are out right now. I think you owe Roger Ebert a little bit of a debt if you're a fan of these types of podcasts and these types of shows. So I definitely recommend checking this out if you want to get a look at his life, some of his personal highs and lows and struggles and what made him so unique as a critic, not just someone that you like to see his movie takes on, but someone you got kind of like personally invested in. You were kind of like, he was your cool movie uncle, you know, that hung out and knew all the classics and would get really passionate about what he liked and didn't like. And I think that was something I loved about him too. He wasn't just one of those optimistic, I love everything that I watch types of people. And I feel like sometimes on online, especially you get a lot of critics that are like that, where they feel afraid to say something is not good, or they feel afraid to say something is good. They don't really want to like break away from the tradition. And Roger Ebert had no, no qualms with breaking away from tradition and praising something that didn't get good reviews or, you know, tearing something down that got great reviews. And I like that about him a lot. So check out this documentary and go some appreciation for like, you know, good real movie criticism. All right. Yeah. It's one I've wanted to check out for a while. Now that I know it's on Amazon prime, I'll definitely probably uh, be checking it out. And I know definitely probably sounds like I'm not going to watch it, but I will. 
<laughs> All right, you want to move over to Netflix? Let's do it, Joe. I think we have a crossover here. Yeah, finally. there's a show we both watched. I don't know if you finished it or not. I didn't, but I'm definitely going to. And that is the show Beef, uh, starring Stephen Yun and uh, Ali Wong. And it basically, these, you know, two the characters these two actors play uh, get in a road rage incident, and it just starts essentially this massive beef between them. They don't like each other. They hate each other. They start doing stuff to each other. Uh, essentially it's very clear that they are just not happy in their lives and this is just an outlet they basically use each other as an outlet for their anger and frustration as a way to um, just kind of get out their emotions tristan did you finish it and do you have overall thoughts on the season or at least as far as you watched i haven't finished it yet but i'm definitely definitely gonna finish it i was super uh, impressed by this so far uh I'm really liking the comedy of it, but I also think there's like an element of commentary here about like people and how we, uh, you know, make scapegoats to kind of blame for our problems and rather like fight with people than, you know, come together and realize who our, you know, our, our shared enemies must be and some of our shared frustrations must be. Like you said, I think both of these people kind of hate their lives and are very unfulfilled in certain ways. And I think that adds a lot to the interesting drama here but yeah i love this a lot i think it's funny i think it's smart i think it's like has this dark comedy edge to it it's like a satire as well i'm really liking this so far and i can't wait to finish it out and see where it all goes from here you know yeah i agree i know the like creator or director or something says this is a show that they think can go like two three four seasons I'm only, I think, like halfway through the first season. I really don't know how I feel about that. I much unless they do like a true detective style where each season is a new set of characters. But I just don't really see this show being anything that season three finale. Am I still hooked? I don't know about that. I think it could be a show that if they continue, or like, oh man, this could have been a really great like mini series. But I don't know how I feel about continuation but maybe i finished the first season and i'm like oh no i fully get this show now like i'm down for eight seasons of this show yeah i'm curious i didn't hear that quote but that's a it's a strange thought because this feels like something that would be an anthology show you know it feels like it's going to build up to like a climax you know it's like this one road rage incident kind of spirals into this building spiraling snowball thing that feels like it's going to yeah. build up to a boom you know so i wonder how you do how do you draw that out for how many seasons you know yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm curious what the future of the show looks like because I'm thinking it's going to get some good reviews. I've seen a good amount of social media talk about it, so I'll be curious if Netflix gives it the axe in a week or if it, uh, it gets the golden goose of Netflix and it's all of a sudden like an eight-season show, you know? Yeah. yeah, I agree there. All right, and uh, on Netflix, you also watched I See You. Should I watch I See You? Should anyone watch I See You? Uh, I See You. It's a film that just dropped on Netflix. It came out in 2019. Uh, it made some kind of festival runs and things like that but i don't believe it ever got much of a wide release so i kind of just like lost track of it but i i was really happy to check this one out it, it just got dropped on netflix and it's, uh, a lot of people have been doing like reaction videos and things like that to it so i decided i finally check it out it's just like a short 96 minute horror thriller uh just came out in 2019 uh it's about a young kid who gets to, who gets kidnapped and is kind of like trying to break out of the place that he's kidnapped from. And you follow the detective trying to break him out. And you also kind of follow the kid who is stuck uh, in this really dark room. And I think it's a great thriller. I really recommend it. I don't want to get too much into it because it's this kind of like twist that go along as it goes. It reminds me a lot of Saw 
in, in the way that it's like following the case, but also following the people within. And you're also kind of having this, you know, psychological journey about it too. And I definitely recommend watching it. It's only 96 minutes, I think, so 95 minutes. So it's a breezy little horror movie and the ending is great. So I highly recommend checking it out because the last few minutes are just like really, really impressive and pay everything off too. If you like kind of those festival style horrors that are a bit slow, but more more on like the horror thriller side, I definitely think you recommend this because it has that thrilling look of kind of like uh, Hush, you know, if you watch Hush on Netflix movie about the woman you can't hear and she has a break in into her house. It reminds me a lot of that. So check this one out if you're a fan of Hush for sure. I, I definitely recommend uh, it. Yeah, I, I love Hush. So yeah, comparing it to Hush definitely makes me want to check it out. Uh, so I probably will. And that's on Netflix. Yeah. And I want to record also mention that Helen Hunt is the lead. Okay. Check her out because it's a, a great performance. And, you know, we're in the era where all of a sudden, you know, maybe this could be like a comeback role. She all of a sudden becomes like a horror scream queen or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd definitely be down for that. I think that could be fun. All right, you ready to move over to uh, some Paramount Plus news? I'm ready. What do we got, Joe? All right, I'll say this. Keeping Up with the Kardashians came out in 2007. And the original iteration of the show is gone, and they now we have the Kardashians on Hulu. But it's essentially it's a continuation of the same show. And people are still trying to remake that show. And we have The Family Stallone on Paramount Plus, which feels like the next thing of, like, we're trying to basically remake keeping up with the kardashians we're trying to have our own keeping up with the kardashians that's how big of a juggernaut that show is it came out when i was a freshman in high school and i'm turning 30 this year and people are and it's still going and so it makes sense and i watched the trailer and i'm like i like sylvester stallone i don't know if i need a reality show about his family you know no one i follow some of his daughters on instagram i'm not gonna lie but (laughs) No one from his family, other than him, seems like anyone I'd care to tune into a reality show to watch. Like, if it was fully about him and it wasn't even called The Family Stallone and it was just a show following him around all the time, I might check it out. But you know there's going to be episodes where, like, half the episode is dedicated to going with his wife as she goes to get her nails done. And I'm like, I don't care about that. None That does not interest me. And so, Tristan, I don't know if you watched this trailer, but does a reality show about the life of Sylvester Stallone and his family interest you at all? Uh, the answer to both of those questions is no, Joe. I'll have to say uh, I did not watch the trailer, and I'm probably not going to check out the show. It reminds me of uh, the Osbournes, if you watch yep. the Ozzy Osbourne TV show. That And similar thoughts where I said, you know what, I would watch a camera just follow Ozzy Osbourne around, like, doing stuff, you know, edit together, like, all the cool stuff Ozzy did in, like, a month into an episode. I'd watch that, but... I don't really want to follow his family drama, you know, the day-to-day of Ozzy Osbourne's family life. And I don't want to follow the day-to-day of the Stallone life either, you know? Give me Stallone going to movie sets, making cameos, getting paid. But not about his family, no. Yeah. All right. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties, a little bit of stream output problems, but I don't think it should be too bad. Nothing crazy. You should still be able to follow along. Uh, But yeah, I agree. I don't need a Sylvester Stallone family show. But moving over to a great reality show, and this one is on Freebie. And Tristan, I don't know if you've heard of this. I don't know if you've watched this. 
It's called Jury Duty, and it's amazing. Uh, essentially, the plot of this show is uh, this guy goes into jury duty, and he thinks it's regular old jury duty, but what he doesn't know is everything is scripted, and everyone is completely in on this reality show except him. He just thinks it's a <laughs> documentary movie about following a jury, um, and so there's just wild, crazy interactions, crazy things that happen. Everyone in this character is like an insane character that you immediately fall in love with. And I haven't told you the best part. Uh, one of the jury or alternate jurors is James Marsden, who's playing himself. And so this whole, the first, like, because at first when I heard it, I thought every episode was going to be a different juror or every episode was going to be like a different scenario where you watch them. And then at the end they reveal, oh, this is all a show. But this whole season, you're following this one guy. And, like, the first two episodes, it's James Marsden trying to get out of jury duty. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be, like, a distraction. Like, you're not going to want me here. And the judge is like, I don't really recognize you. So, <laughs> and he said one thing. He's like, the, like, main guy who doesn't realize this is all a setup looks at James Marsden. He's like, oh, I recognize you. And uh, James Marsden lifts off, lists off one of, the, you know, a bunch of his roles and he lists off Sonic, and he's like, you were in Sonic? And he's like, yeah, I was in Sonic, you know, as this buddy comedy adventure. He's like, the guy's like, yeah, I, I didn't watch it. I heard it was horrible. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, yeah, but you should check it out, see for yourself. So the guy watches it, and he comes back. He's like, yeah, I watched Sonic. That was a good movie. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, they had to cast this so well, because if you don't like the lead, you're not going to like this show. And the lead is such a nice guy. Like, you kind of feel bad for him in the setup because there's other people around him and, like, these other jurors are pretending to have these problems and he's trying to help them with it. And it's it's a great show. If you're a fan of, like, Nathan For You or uh, Nathan Fielder's latest show on, uh, I guess, now Max, I, the rehearsal. Basically, if you watch the rehearsal and you like that, you definitely uh, like Jury Duty. And that's on Freebie. I will definitely, definitely be checking this one out for sure, Joe. I'll get back to you within a couple of days about my thoughts on this one. And not all the episodes are out. They release like a batch of episodes every Friday. So I'm patiently or impatiently waiting, I should say, for the next batch of episodes this Friday. I can't wait. I'll be watching. All right. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, ready to move over to Disney Plus where we got a massive amount of news? Yeah, we got a whole stack of stuff here. All right. So first bit of news. Uh, we got the Ahsoka trailer at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, trailer looks great. Um, Ahsoka looks great. It's same time, same time period as uh, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett. Looks like we got a shot recreation from the epilogue of Rebels. Uh, kind of what are your thoughts on this trailer? Are you excited for it? Does it make you more excited for the show? Excitement staying the same? Or is, you know, did you think the trailer sucked and you're out? Yeah, I was uh, interested in the show, but I was a bit hesitant because I wasn't quite sure how it was going to look visually. And I enjoyed the Ahsoka episode, the like standalone episode of Mandalorian, but I wasn't quite entirely sold on an entire season of her. But this trailer looks awesome. I love the the cast of these new Rebels characters. I love being able to see, you know, Chopper and everybody again. And I think this is going to feel much more like an episode. to find a little pieces of the rebels and clone wars universe and kind of putting them to a nice little satisfying rest here and i can't wait to see it we've got thrawn a tease in the tip of our tongues and mando this week so 
I feel like, you know, he's going to be a pretty big player in this Ahsoka show. I can't wait to see how it all kind of comes together. But yeah, this trailer was really impressive. I love the way the lightsabers kind of like glow orange and not quite off red. And I can't wait to see the Jedi action. I feel like I've been craving some true like Jedi versus Sith action. It's been so long since you've had any of that. So I can't wait for the show. I'm really excited. All right. Well, the characters aren't quite Sith, but they are Darksiders. And how do you feel about Mads Mikkelsen coming back? Uh, or not Mads, sorry, Lars Mikkelsen coming back to reprise the role of Thrawn from Rebels. I think it's a good pick. I think it's strange that they're like bringing some people back and not other people. But he does kind of look, you know, the part they kind of based Thrawn a bit off of his face it seems like so i'm happy with it i just feel like it's a weird choice to be like okay this one's coming back and this one's not coming back and this one's coming back and this one's not coming back it's creating this like weird hodgepodge where i'm like struggling to see ahsoka in the eyes of rosario dawson because like she's standing next to the real katie sackoff from the real show and the real lars mickelson is standing next to mary elizabeth winstead who's playing a different character and it's going to be hard to kind of wrap my brain around all of the yeah. all of the math there but i'll get used to it yeah you know i think over time as you watch it it'll kind of gel better and fit better but i feel like we're both excited for ahsoka that's coming august of 2024 or 2023 sorry 2023 uh we also had the trailer for season two uh visions uh and this one where vision season one was kind of non-canon stories influenced <laughs> by star wars uh, from Japan, this one is going to be stories from all around uh, the world. I think six of the seven continents, the only continent not involved is, or uh, the only continents not involved are Antarctica and Australia. All the other continents <laughs> have a uh, studio involved. But Tristan, did you watch this Vision Season 2 trailer? Yeah, I watched the Vision uh, Season 2 trailer. I'm really excited. I love the first season of Visions. I think it was such an exciting new direction for Star Wars, you know, because it's not going to really expand upon like the the story, you know, but it does kind of give you a new look at the lore and like what Star Wars means to people. And I thought it was cool to see the first season be kind of unified in that it was all anime from Japan. It, it felt like even though they were different studios, it all had like this similar vibe. So I'm curious to see how different this season feels because you have like a Wallace and Gromit style episode mixing with like a traditional anime episode. And it's going to feel, I feel like there's going to be a much wider range of animation styles and tones this season so i'm curious how well it all meshes together but yeah though i'm the suit i'm super excited for this and i can't wait to see new looks at what the force means to people and what jedi and the sith mean to people and what the star wars universe can look like visually in a totally different style you know that's what i love so much about this show yeah yeah we also got news that um uh tales of the jedi is getting a season two and dave filoni said where he wrote season one he's you know, bringing in more writers for season two. So I'm excited if that potentially means a longer season, maybe more characters that they're going to focus on, where season one was just Dooku and Ahsoka. Maybe, you know, season two will have three or four Jedi that we focus on and ha potentially have maybe instead of a six-episode season, it'll be a 12-episode season or something like that. Or maybe it'll be crossover episodes where it'll be an episode with, you know, we'll have some maybe Luke episodes and some... Uh, ben Solo episodes, but maybe some of the episodes will be both of them together. So uh, I'm excited for that, intrigued by that. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Tales of the Jedi getting more? Yeah, I hope it jumps around the timeline, like you said. I've seen 
that time of Ben Solo's life too much, really. You know, the most you've seen of that time is in the Lego Star in the Lego movies, I guess. But I would like to see what they do with like the Tales of a Jedi doesn't have to be like set within essentially the prequel era, right? They can go anywhere they want across the entire Star Wars galaxy. They go back to the dawn of the Jedi and set up the James Mangold movie somewhere in there. I I like I would love to see how far along and move like go on that timeline. Maybe like beyond characters we even know, you know, introduce us to some new Jedi, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, maybe if they have, especially with like the Acolyte or something coming out, I believe mm-hmm. this will probably come out potentially after the Acolyte, but I think it'd be kind of interesting if they have a live action show come out with a Jedi or, you know, there we didn't get much information on Skeleton Crew, but what if we see, uh, it was kind of revealed that Jude Law's character is going to be a Jedi. So what if we got, uh a story about him before order 66 like a story of him during the clone wars or a story of him during the time of the original trilogy like hey where was he during the original trilogy why wasn't he off trying to fight vader why wasn't he linking up with obi-wan and yoda so i think that could be interesting you know was he off in the unknown regions you know was he even was he even a jedi during the time of the original trilogy or did he meet up with ezra and he trained under ezra and that's how he became a jedi like i think there's just a lot of different options uh, but I I think, you know, I like the idea of Visions. I like the idea of Tales of the Jedi. I think if it were up to me, I would just say May 4th. You just alternate years. Like, odd years uh, do Visions. Even years do Tales of the Jedi. And just swap back and forth. So every other year, you know, we get that. We get one. And I think that'd be the way to go. And I wouldn't even, you don't even have to do Tales of the Jedi every time. I'd be down for, like, Tales of the Sith or Tales of the Bounty Hunters or Tales mm-hmm. of the Mandalorian. Like, just Tales of the whatever they feel like they haven't the best quality of content that they can do yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to what they do with it all right and then uh bad batch season three they announced that it's gonna be bad batch season three is coming and it's gonna be the final season which i think makes sense this isn't a story as i was watching it i'm like is this really gonna go five six seasons i feel like three is like the perfect amount for this story it's very localized very kind of a small story yeah, and I hadn't caught up on season two, and I was honestly like burning out a little bit on the show. But knowing that the only one season after it that they're going to wrap things up and give us an ending, I'm going to power through and definitely be able to catch up and watch the season with you. All right, sounds great. And uh, also a little bit kind of tying into Disney Plus is we're getting a movie set in kind of the Mandalorian era directed by Dave Filoni. It's going to be a theatrically released movie. Uh, and the Hollywood Reporter released today that Disney and Lucasfilm are trying to get the Ray-focused movie in 2025 and the Dave Filoni movie the year after in 2026. So we could potentially only be three and a half years away from this movie coming out. Do you think this will be kind of the end of it and it's like, okay, no more Ahsoka after this, no more Mandalorian? Or do you think it's going to be kind of like the Avengers where this is the big, like Kathleen Kennedy said, big climactic event? But we could also have seasons of shows come out after that movie. Because what if this movie comes out, big critical hit, you know, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, critics and audience. It's the type of movie they write it in a way that Kathleen Kennedy said they're bringing the crawl back. Hey, you don't need to watch any of these shows to fully understand this movie. Obviously, there's going to be small moments and character interactions that if you don't if you've watched the show, maybe you don't fully appreciate the moment, but you still understand everything that's going on. 
and it's you know top three highest grossing movie of that year just a big smash success is lucasfilm gonna look around and say oh we're fine continuing these stories on television or are they gonna say like hey let's just uh put a kibosh on all these shows because we're gonna just keep cranking this story out as movies yeah i'm thinking i was at first thinking thinking oh this is gonna be like you know the finale of mando they're gonna build up these couple of shows for a couple of seasons and then they're gonna give us this big grand finale and i feel like that's kind of what they're gonna do they're gonna really sell us as the finale the same way like the avengers endgame was sold as like oh here's kind of the finale of the avengers but it's not the end of star wars right like yeah. you're gonna get more after that they may will probably bring back din and bring back the mandalorian but by that point, what, Mando's probably on, like, it's going into his fifth season, even, you know? So yeah. I feel like we're maybe at a point where they don't really have much more story-wise to be saying with Mandalorian, because they're already at a point where I'm starting to wonder, like, okay, can we get the story moving? They're like, <laughs> something going to happen? Because we're sitting around a lot. But uh, I think that they're probably going to... going to be huge and then you're going to also want to go back and watch whatever the next season and it was after this because that movie was just so good yeah yeah i understand that i get that all right and so speaking of non-mandalorians something you watched uh well actually speaking of the avenger something you watched was the jeremy renner interview uh, was it as cringy as the trailer made it look was his conversation about diane or about his uh plow accident it was not as cringy it was definitely like about as tv generic as the trailer makes it out to be but it was definitely uh you know moving to hear the story in such detail because you read the articles and you can you know hear it in from that perspective but when you see the people who found him talk about you know his skull was coming out of his head and all the you know he talks about it was in his last moments and he's using his last bits of moment you know and hearing those stories of being there in the moment and how terrifying it was really gives you the the reality check of of how bad that really was and how close he really came to not making it out of this accident you know and i feel like this was a definitely an interview to, that was worth watching especially if you are a fan of jamie renner because you get a good look at his struggle and his rehabilitation journey like you can see photos on instagram but when you see him like really having to push himself and hitting that breaking point and having to keep going and keep going. Like it's definitely an inspirational story and someone that could have easily given up and probably had enough money to just kind of like get himself to a point where he can function slightly. And then that's it. But you know, he wanted to push himself. He was able to show up. I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel. He promoted this by, you know, he walked up onto the stage and he was proud of himself because he said, I, I was able to walk onto the stage today and he, he was really proud of that. So you get an appreciation of that journey and also just like the harrowing terror of that accident in this in this interview for sure yeah all right yeah i'm glad it wasn't as weird and cringy as it looked based on the trailer because that was that almost i don't know how that went through all of the people that it had to get through before it got to our eyes but it looked very bad um, and yeah it definitely makes me feel good for jamie renner because he's doing so so well you know and I'm glad that he's recovering and that he's he's able to be with his family, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's always good. All right, you ready to talk about some spies? I am. Give me, give me some news, Joe. All right.
right. Well, it's not news. It's a show we both watched. And <laughs> it's uh, Mandalorian Chapter 23, The Spies. It dropped today. You and I watched it. Uh, it g- released uh, during Celebration. A lot of massive Star Wars fans got to watch it. And so a little bit of news, a little bit of rumors, kind of leaks came through uh, over the last couple days. So I had a rough idea of what this episode was about. Uh, and I think it delivered. There's a moment that I've talked about on here hinted at as far as like there's going to be a moment towards the end of the season that got leaked and it's going to be controversial and if they pull it off i think it'll be funny it'll be cute and people are going to like it if they don't pull it off i could see it being the point where a lot of people just stop watching this show and that moment was grogu getting in the ig i guess now 12 suit mech suit and piloting it around and driving it around i think they pulled (laughs) it off in my opinion i i enjoy it i think it works like as as they were as it showed up when grief was delivering it i was like you know what i think part of my problem with this of why i think it maybe wouldn't have worked is the development of grogu over this season where i think if they gave him this suit at the end of season two i'm like i don't buy this but i think they've shown him like in his kind of pellet fight uh with ragnar and some of the other moments where he has shown some agency where you know Din fell and he had to go to Bo-Katan and get help and get in the ship and go basically as best as he could tell Bo, hey, we got to go back because I need your help rescuing Din. I think they've shown him have enough agency and enough awareness going on that I buy him being able to pilot this mech suit. And as soon as he got in it, I was like, I need him to mess up a little bit. I need him to not be able to be like an amazing at maneuvering this mech suit. He immediately crashed into a wall and I'm like, I- I'm in. I buy it. This is great. Um, the spamming of the yes and no buttons I loved. Uh, but as far as the actual plot, uh, where you open and you basically finding the beginnings of the Empire reforming, um, I think that's great. I think it's reminiscent of Andor. And then leading all the way up to uh, these Mandalorian factions coming together to go back to Mandalore only to find out it is now an Imperial base. But that's kind of the general tr- tr- gist of the episode. Tristan, what are your thoughts on this episode? I liked uh, the opening sequence, especially. We're seeing that these fragmented Empire uh, leaders are actually not as fragmented as we as we thought they were, and I think that uh, it further the plot. I mean, you know, return of Palpatine as well, and also kind of this power vacuum that opened up when the empire fell, but I also think it parallels well to the rest of the episode. Like these fractured Mandalorians are also having to kind of like put their petty grievances aside because they all kind of want to be the king of Mandalore, right? You have all of the people who think they know what's best for Mandalore, what it means to be a real Mandalorian. And they're all going to kind of have to put that aside to fight for Mandalore, you know? And I think the fact that they all put the grievances aside and they came back to Mandalore and found that it had been overtaken by the empire the whole time. They didn't even know. I feel like that, also parallels this opening scene because they're putting the differences aside thinking that it's going to be for the greater good of them that they're going to come out on top and in the end the palpatine was there the whole time and he was pl- they were playing right into his hands really so i feel like these scenes parallel themselves in a really interesting way that i think uh made this episode work pretty well and yeah i'm interested in the grogu uh, grogu mech suit because uh that's a it's a choice you know and i feel like I may have not made that choice myself, you know, like I feel like if you built up Grogu and his force abilities and his independence so well, 
it feels like a bit of a step back to then put him like in a suit rather than figure out a way to make him like independently powerful you know but it looks fun it looks cool i like the yes and no button spamming i think it's funny you know and i'm excited to see how they like have him use this in action once they get into like the way this story is going it's obviously building up to like huge conflict for mandalore right so i can't wait to see grogu in that conflict fighting side by side with din and bo katan it's going to be fun for the action sequences for sure yeah all right what were your thoughts on the uh death of Paz Vizsla going out one last time saying this is the way <laughs> I'm, I'm uh glad to see there's some consequences for characters it's kind of cool you know that this character's been here for a long time he's been in a I'm not, I, he was definitely in Rebels I believe he was in Clone Wars as well but he's been around the Star no, Wars world Paz Vizsla he just showed up for the first time in uh, Mandalorian he's never been in anything else oh before. am I confusing him with his, a previous Vizsla? Yeah, there was pre-Vizsla who was in Clone Wars who is an ancestor of his. We don't fully know how they were related, but they, there is a pre-Vizsla where this is I possible. see that. I was confused. I was thinking they were both the same person for, for this episode. But no. <laughs> uh, cool, cool. You know, uh, uh, I'm not, I don't have many thoughts now because it was not the scene that I thought it was. But, uh, you know, this is the way, you know, I, I think that, he he fought for his son in a couple episodes ago when I feel like, like I said, everybody has their own ideas of what it means to a man. Everybody has their own ideas of what the way means, but he went down like a badass. So, you know, good for him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm excited. Do you, you catch the uh, couple of sequel trilogy connections? Give me and feed me, Joe. Feed me the well, connections. Obviously, you have the Praetorian Guards. Mm-hmm. Um, the the references to the great scene from Last Jedi. Yeah, uh, which is how Paz Vizsla went out. Uh, there's Project Necromancer, which was referenced by, um, which was referenced, I believe, by Moff Gideon. We fully don't know what that is, but it leans heavily to potentially how Palpatine was resurrected. But we don't that's know how that I feel. for sure. But that's definitely what they're implying. But also in the uh, count, sh- the Shadow Council, I believe it was called, there was a character named Brendel Hux, who is a, a Big character in the books, especially the post-Return of the Jedi books. And Brendel Hux is actually the father of General Armitage Hux, which is um, one of is Donald Gleason's character in the sequel trilogy. And he was actually played by Brian Gleason, Donald Gleason's brother. So, uh, I, don't, I definitely noticed that. Uh, I didn't necessarily notice that it was the character from the books, but I was like, oh, that must be, you know someone related to someone from from that same family but that's that's definitely a cool yeah. connection yeah it's just, uh, uh, i'm looking for looking forward to like as they're getting closer to closer because it feels like they're sprinkling more and more sequel trilogy stuff in there so i feel like they're at that point now where they're starting to connect us to a lot of those sequel trilogy questions and they're teasing Thrawn, they're teasing snoke and the emperor i'm really curious how all that's going to come together because it seems like it's building up towards some pretty interesting reveals that they have up their sleeve you know because a lot of that stuff, like mentioning Predator Necromancer a couple of times already, and that feels like you don't throw that in for no reason. You throw that in because you know what it means, and you're going to at some point reveal what it means, you know? All right. And uh, one final question for you as far as uh, this episode goes. This episode was titled The Spies. Now, obviously, we have the one character who was uh, in the previous season where it was that whole ep- or previous episode where the whole episode was kind of dedicated to the underworkings of the empire with dr pershing and that that woman getting dr pershing to 
give him all of his cloning information and all of the technology he would need for cloning. And that's really the only other spy. But the episode wasn't called The Spy. It was called The Spy. So who is the other spy in this episode? I have my theory, but I wonder if you have a theory as well. Yeah, because my take on the title of The Spies, because it, it drops like after that big opening sequence with the Empires. So I thought The Spies are essentially all of these different various Empire factions who are all kind of spying on each other, all kind of vying for their own plans and their own details and all these underworkings. And I feel like uh, Thrawn is ultimately kind of a spy too, who's hiding in the background of the scene. He's not there, but his eyes and ears are there. Uh, his his right hand man, I believe, uh, his name is Peloton or something like that. Peleon. It was kind of like Thrawn's friend. Thrawn's like you know, advisor, his right hand man, and he was one among these uh, these um, these like faction leaders, you know. So I feel like. Thrawn and also the Empire, in a way, are kind of the spies that are kind of lingering in the background of the scene. They're not there, but they're there. You know, they're manipulating these events to their own whims. Yeah. All right. I have a theory as well, and it's the character that, for multiple seasons now, they've talked about getting to this one place, and right before they get to this one place, they're like, actually, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. I'm going to go somewhere else. And also this same character help bring all of these characters together these multiple factions and basically led them to their doom right into the arms of the empire and also their helmet seemed to very much match moff gideon's helmet with having horn spikes my my prediction will be revealed in the finale is that the armorer is the spy and the armorer has been in cahoots with the Emperor and Moff Gideon. And Moff Gideon, this whole, oh my god, why why didn't know all of these factions were going to be here, was uh, him playing it up. And I don't know what, essentially what the armor's endgame is. Maybe it's protection. Maybe it's similar to... I'm blanking on the character's name, but essentially my theory is she's working with um, Moff Gideon to like, hey, I'll help you, but I want the Darksaber. Like, I know you're, want, you're like, playing for the Darksaber, but essentially, like, it's kind of like, if I help you, I want the Darksaber, is my theory on what's happening. And she wants Bo-Katan to lose hard in front of everybody, in front of all of the Mandalorians. So, basically, to just kill any chance she has of leading. I definitely think the armor has ulterior motives, for sure. Because her conversation a couple episodes ago with Bo-Katan, where she was like, Oh, you can take your helmet off. It's all good, and yeah. I want you to be our, our, you know, our, our courier in the middle, who's gonna send our messages between us and all these other variations of the Mandalorians. It's been, that felt like a weird conversation where she was manipulating her more than like, you know, bring her into the fold. So I think the armor as a spy is definitely a really good possibility. Whether she's working directly for Moff Gideon or whether they both have like you know a shared motivation and they're gonna kind of come together for this. To take down who they both think is a bad leader of Mandalore. I think that could be a good take too. But yeah, I'm thinking the armor is a good call for the spy. And then so I'm thinking the armor my other prediction for the finale is um, I think Bo-Katan dies in the finale. I think like if you look at her life goal and her life mission is to get the Mandalorians to work together. And I think she's going to die seeing that, that the Mandalorians are finally ready to work together. And so she can die a somewhat peaceful death. And I think the armor is out because everyone looks at her and is basically like, you betrayed us, you're a traitor, and Bo-Katan's dead. And pretty much I think all eyes of the Mandalorians are going to pivot to Din, 
who I think potentially in the finale is going to get back the Darksaber and it's going to be more like, okay, I gave it to her because I thought she was supposed to lead, but now I saw how she led and she didn't need to necessarily live by the old ways. So I think I wouldn't be surprised. Final shot is Din taking off his helmet and lifting up the Darksaber and all of the Mandalorians, like kind of symbolically agreeing to follow him. I think that would be a good call. I think uh, her dying is definitely a good prediction as well because I'm on that I'm on that side too. I'm not quite 100% convinced, but after this episode, I'm more convinced because she kind of had like a heart heartfelt kind of like conversation where she kind of like talked about her past and her own journey and that kind of thing. And usually when a character has moment where they yeah. sit down and talk about how far they've come and how much they've changed and all of that stuff, that might be a sign that their end is nigh. You know, she essentially sat down and said, look, my character arc is complete. You know, uh, I just want to see the Mandalorians come together. And, yeah. and uh, then, I think so her, her going out next episode, I feel like is a good call. And then I don't remember exact and had a more poetic way to phrase it, but he's basically like, hey, I'm going to follow you until you die. Mm-hmm. Essentially what he said. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, I've had thoughts that she was going to die. But that like partially confirms more for me that. And with him getting captured at the end, I would not be surprised as part of that rescue mission, Bo-Katan dies and Din's like, and sees, you know, basically fights off Gideon or fights off maybe the armor. Maybe that it's like kind of a co-reveal of the armors, the one that kills Bo-Katan and it's somewhat in front of the other Mandalorians. And, and that's when Din is like, realizes she was the spy. She's the one that betrayed them. And so Din takes out the armor wields the dark saber and that's the final of the episode because you could say oh well isn't that the same as how season two ended but i would say it's slightly different because din had the dark saber in a room with three other mandalorians and basically none of them viewed him as a mandalorian so it didn't really matter and now he could be wielding the dark saber winning it in front of a fucking field of mandalorians where it's like very clear like okay on mandalore as well Mm-hmm. Where it's like very clear moving forward, like he is without a doubt the leader of Mandalore. And, I we, also have, have, and we also have the Mythosaur in play too. He could ha- be riding the Mythosaur doing it. I have two final things. I one is a prediction based on your prediction here, but I am <laughs> going to swap it up a little bit because okay. I think uh, uh, where ultimately Bo-Katan is going to win, but she's going to be so damaged and incapacitated that she's probably not going to make it afterwards and din is going to get the want to get the dark saber but uh the rules of mandalore say that you have to you have to defeat the the holder in combat if you want to be the true leader of mandalore so in a heartfelt tearjerker din's going to have to put down bo-katan and then grab the dark saber and uh declare himself the king of mandalore and the ruler of mandalore and it's going to be the moment where she essentially, like, you know, hands in the blaster and says, like, do it, you know? Yeah, I can see that, you know. So my... And my final thought is okay. that last season in season two, we had, we got to this point we are at right here. And we've been kind of wandering around a little bit for the whole season, meeting some new characters, meeting some old characters. And we were like, you know what? As long as it all comes together in the finale, it'll be worth it. And then. It pretty much did. It came together in a really emotional and satisfying finale with a lot of cool plot twists and a obviously exciting cameo that worked for a lot of people and was a really undeniably forward thing in effects and all of that. And 
I left season two feeling like, you know what? We wandered around a bit, but the finale was awesome. And then by the first episode of season three, like that whole finale is essentially like retconned out of happening. (laughs) Like Grogu's back and now Moff Gideon's back too. He's just kind of back. Mm -hmm. And none of the conflict that really finale ended up actually mattering much. So I'm going into this finale very cautious because even if it's great, how do I know they're not going to do a spinoff that undoes half the great parts? Yeah. The one thing I will say is the thought I've been having, and I could be proven to be right, I could easily be proven to be wrong. And I think it's that they made season one and two with the mentality of like, this may be all we get. So we got to basically have an ending for this story just in case because they i think they started filming season two before season one came out and like obviously disney plus wasn't a thing they could be like disney plus could crash and burn so i think there could be like season one and season two go together and then there's this weird disconnect between season two and season three so i think when they were like oh well okay we're we do get to make more of this we have to reevaluate our world and now this is doing so well. We're going to get to do spinoff shows and this, that, and the third. And now we're even going to do a movie set in this kind of part of the universe. I think, you know, if there's this disconnect between season three or season four, or something happens in Ahsoka that completely changes or something happens in Skeleton Crew, I'll be right there with you. But I think when it's all said and done in 2007, 2008, or not 2027, 2028, <laughs> I think we're just going to be looking at it and saying like, Oh, there were like there was just this weird disconnect between season two and season three because that's like going into season three is well I guess you could say Book of Boba Fett as when they knew like oh no they were basically gonna have the budget and the ability to tell whatever story they wanted instead of just like going in being like we gotta wrap this up with season two because if season two could be all we ever get for this. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that that was kind of just a fluke, and I don't really. It just makes me nervous to go into a finale knowing that even if it's cool, they might just kind of be like, I actually never mind on a lot of the cooler parts. And mm-hmm. this episode did the never minding. Like Moff Gideon is just kind of... I don't know why he's back. He's just here again, you know? Yeah, like I mean... they, they, he's just back. <laughs> you know, it's like, kind of like Grogu. Grogu is just back. If he didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, Grogu is just back with no, no explanation. Yeah, I agree. I understand that. You ready to move over to HBO Max? I'm ready. We got a lot, a big chunk of HBO Max to talk about, Joe. And oh. I'm really hyped for the finale of Mando, though. It's going to be yeah. great to see, and I can't wait to see the, the Grogu suit in action. Give me some Grogu Iron Man fights. Do you think this is the thing where they give him the suit, uh, but then it's like almost like a Forrest Gump moment where like he goes in with the suit, and you think it's going to be a cool suit moment, but he just like uses the force and rips it apart, and he just goes crazy? And See just, that would be awesome. I would be I'd be happy with that. I think that's I a thing where like they feel like they had to build him a suit because they felt like he wasn't ready on his own. And then he's like, No, I'm ready now. Like I could see a scenario where we have a flashback to Din being tied down and strapped down by these new clone troopers and he's about to die and it cuts back to flashback. Like you hear the clanking or something in the background, like maybe some kind of weapon that's going to kill Din. And that flashes back just like the clanking when he was having his suit built. Because remember, there's definitely something there of him having this chest plate that hasn't come into play yet. Like that's definitely going to come into play. 
um, the clanking of his chest, similar to the clanking when his chest plate got made, and it flashes back to him seeing uh, Keller and Beck potentially get killed by clone troopers or something, and he wasn't strong enough to do something, and it's basically like you can tell, like, I'm not letting that happen again, and he just does some crazy force move. Rip, just completely rips apart his mech suit, and then, um, you know, Din's helmet's off of him, and he saved, you know, he saves Din, and Din just kind of looks at him, and Grogu says his first words, this is the way. <laughs> You're painting a cool scene. I definitely think that we're going to see Ahmed Best character at some point in this finale, because we had just kind of like, essentially a cliffhanger, of like, oh, I'm going to go take you to my friends, and they're flying off into the clouds, and then nothing since, you know, we got... And I, I think we're gonna get an answer to what, yeah. what, where they went, and exactly what happened to Grogu after that, because we still don't really know how he ended up in the hands of the Empire, right? Yeah. No, and so, we don't. yeah. I feel like we gotta get an answer to that question this season, otherwise they're just dangling it for like so long. Yeah. <laughs> come on, give us something. It'll probably come in a spinoff series about you know some other random character. You know, in the Ahsoka show, they'll have an episode that's all about Grogu. Mm. No Ahsoka in the whole episode. It must be Grogu during you know the Clone Wars. That'll be the whole episode. It'll actually be a Visions episode, or episode of Visions, where you don't think it's canon, but then it's just an episode <laughs> of Keller and Beck saving, um, saving Grogu, and they're like, and they're like, yeah, this one's canon. This is actually how it happened. A studio pitched us the idea, and we're like, that works. That makes sense. We just <laughs> threw it in Visions. The All canon right. explanation is actually within that uh, Studio Ghibli yeah. Grogu short. You just gotta <laughs> really pay it attention. It was dust bunnies, yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready to talk about some HBO Max, actually, Max? I'm ready. All right, so basically, if you don't know, HBO Max and Discovery Plus are merging into one, and this is their new plan. You have Max Ad Light, which is going to be $9.99 a month or $9.99.99 a year, uh, and you'll be able to have two concurrent streams, 1080p resolution, no offline downloads, 5.1 surround sound quality. Then you have Max Ad Free, fifteen ninety nine a month or one hundred and forty nine ninety nine a year. Two concurrent streams, ten eighty PHD, up to thirty offline downloads, five point one surround sound quality, or Max Ultimate Ad Free, nineteen ninety nine a month or one hundred ninety nine ninety nine a year. Four concurrent streams, up to four K Ultra HD resolution, one hundred offline downloads, and Dolby Atmos sound quality. I feel like you, well, maybe not you, but me and most other people are probably just going to go for the fifteen ninety nine a month stream. I'm probably going to up myself. I got my 4K TV. I got my Dolby Atmos set up. Why not pay my 20 bucks? You know, I could I could go for the 4K stream. I could get myself some Dolby Atmos. All right, Richie Rich. Uh, we also have a fair bit of news, actually. Let me uh, switch over here. You know, I'm not, this is a waste of time. Uh <laughs> Go over to the HBO Max subreddit where I get all of my news. We got a whole bunch of like, I'll, I'll, or should I say Max now? I'm gonna have to get used to that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna take me a while to get used to saying Max. Uh, Harry Potter TV show adaptation officially ordered at Max. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I think J.K. Rowling completely has tainted the series. Would not I? I'll honestly be shocked if we get uh, through the last few books. I would not be surprised if they do, like, the first three seasons. The ratings are horrible. No one cares. People are like, I'll just stick to the movies. And uh, we really don't get the last few books. Yeah, I have not a lot of interest. I mean, I loved Harry Potter as a kid. But between the J.K. Rowling political side of it all, it was kind of weird to 
watch it. And I'm not sure who would be joining in this cast because I feel like anyone who says yes to this is going to have to face some public scrutiny and answer some questions on the press tour, you know? And it's going to be weird if I don't address that because HBO Max refused to comment on that during this stream. So it's kind of, how is that just going to not be talked about for this multiple season run? <laughs> you know, it's going to come up eventually. You guys can't just ignore it forever. Yep. All right. And we also have a Game of Thrones prequel series, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, ordered at, uh, I guess, well, HBO, but it's also going to be on Max as well. And it's uh, based off of a pretty short uh, yeah. book from George R. R. Martin, but a really great one. It's his prequel set just a couple yeah. of, like a one or two generations ahead of the Game of Thrones generation. Yeah. So it's much, much closer than House of the Dragon. So yeah. if you're watching House of the Dragon and you're like, but I wish this was more connected to the Game of Thrones that I know, this looks like it's going to be that. And it's also a very short uh, story. So I wouldn't imagine it's more than a couple of seasons. Yeah, this is what they have. It says it's going to follow uh, the adventures of Sir Duncan the Tall, Dunk, and a young Aegon uh, the fifth Targaryen egg 90 years prior to the events of Song and Ice and Fire. And it says, a century before the events of Game of Thrones, two unlikely heroes wandered Westeros, a young, naive, but courageous knight, Sir Duncan the Tall, and his diminutive squire egg. Set in an age when the Targaryen line still holds the Iron Throne and the memory of the last dragon has not yet passed from living memory, great destinies, powerful foes, and dangerous exploits all await these improbable and incomparable friends. So, yeah, sounds like it's going to be a lot more focused of a show. It's really just going to focus on these two, maybe a few scenes here and there of other characters, but I feel like these two are really going to drive the show. Yeah, that was what I liked a lot about the book. It was very focused, and it added to this stories of these families a bit because these are, like, people who end up having kind of influential parts on the lore of the Westeros, you know, the people of Westeros, but I I definitely am looking forward to this. And I was thinking this is, when they first announced that Game of Thrones is going to get a prequel series, this was what I thought they were going to do. So uh, now they're getting to it. Yeah. All right. We also have a trailer for True Detective Night Country. Uh, it's going to be a True Detective spinoff series about, you know, with starring Jodie Foster, essentially up north where it's night. Or well, it's not night, but it's dark pretty all day, all night. And solving crime up there seems interesting. Uh, if you're a True Detective fan, I would definitely uh, check it out. It looks good enough, I guess. I've never actually watched True Detective. I'm one of those few. We're few, but we're proud. <laughs> yeah, I love the first couple seasons. I love the first season of True Detective, and I also really like the third season. So I'm hoping that this will be a good one for this for the series. Yeah. All right, and we also have. Uh, Matt Reeves and uh, his spinoff of the Batman, the Penguin, is now in production. They released a trailer. Nothing crazy. Basically, if you watch the Batman, you kind of know what you're in for. Um, looks good. I'm definitely interested. Going to watch it. It wasn't, you know, obviously they're still filming, so there was nothing crazy about this trailer. It was more just, I feel like today for Max was a lot of just like, hey, don't not subscribe to us. We're still what you know. We just have a different title change and maybe different prices, but mm -hmm. we're still the same brand that you know, which makes no sense of why they would change their name. But that felt like a lot of what today was, was saying like, hey, we're, we haven't really changed. We just changed our name. 
Yeah, do we roast them yet for that name being stupid? Because that name is stupid. For sure. Yeah, you know, HBO, that's a brand everyone knows. People talk about it's related, connected to prestige television. We're going to drop that. We're just going to call ourselves Match or Max, which is something I called a couple months ago when they released a trailer. And I saw at the end it said Max Original, not HBO Max Original. I was like, that's interesting. I wonder if they're going to drop the HBO when they merge with Discovery Plus. And here we are. They've merged with Discovery Plus, and they're calling themselves Max, which sounds horrible. It's a strange choice, you know, because like you said, HBO comes with such prestige. And Succession's on right now. Barry's starting next week. Like, the name of HBO, I feel like, is hand-to-hand with prestige dramas. And it's weird that they would just drop that name for something that means nothing. Like, the name Max could be anything. It could Mm -hmm. be a streaming platform for anything, you know? There's no... There's no like immediate recognition of what that means and what that gives you. You know, it's just yeah. a weird choice. Yeah. All right. Lesser news. Shazam Fury of the Gods is coming May 23rd to Max. I'm going to continue to not watch that movie. It, nothing about it looks interesting to me. Uh, I'll watch it on streaming. I didn't watch it in theaters because yeah. I couldn't get myself to cross that. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm a DC fan, but... Not that much of a DC fan. <laughs> Enough of one to watch it on HBO Max, though. Yeah. Uh, Conjuring TV series in development on HBO Max. I think this could actually be decent. There's not a lot of horror television series out there, so I think something like The Conjuring kind of lends itself to um, a series, especially if you just if you don't try to set it in the same world as the movies and you just recast uh, the Warrens and have them. It's essentially like X-Files for the most part, but mm-hmm. just more adult horror. I think that'd be the way to go. I wonder if you bring back Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, give them the leads, you know? I think, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's an option. Wilson, you know, but I'm excited for it, though. I, like you said, not a ton of horror on TV, and I enjoy the Conjuring movies, so it'll be cool to see that universe kind of brought to life again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's possible. Uh, we got a horrible animated show called Gremlin's Secrets of the Mogwai, uh, where we got Gizmo again, and nothing about it uh, gave me any reason to watch it, so I'm not going to watch it. If you ask me to nice. watch it, you better the show better be like a 10 out of 10, because it looks horrible. Not watching it. Yeah. Did you watch the uh, trailer for The Regime? The Regime, I, I did watch. It looks interesting. It's got this kind of like tense, almost like veep energy but like more of a more of a political thriller i guess like she has that edge of like a a really stern cold kind of politician but she's thrown into like this actual political kind of thrill ride that looks pretty interesting so i'm gonna check that one out probably when it comes out all right and then the last bit of news is one i'm sure you're hyped about new big bang theory spinoff in development at max you know because that's Uh, what that's what gets people excited is more big bang theory Look, I'm. I mean, I'm think Young Sheldon does great on the ratings. People are out there watching it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know people. I don't know these people. But you know, that's what yeah. happens when you start merging everything into one giant big thing. You know, you're gonna have stuff that caters to the random people that you don't even know exist that are out there watching Big Bang Theory spinoffs. Yeah, Big Bang Theory aired for twelve seasons. I don't know a single person that watched it. So, but it they're won out there. lots of Emmys too. It won like so many Emmys. Yeah, somehow, some way. People watch it. All right. I think that wraps up my HBO Max news speed run. Uh, There's a great trailer out for The Sympathizer, the Robert Downey Jr. uh, co-led Korean thriller from uh, HBO that's coming out pretty soon. I I don't even know if they're calling it an HBO Max or 
or what <laughs> but it's coming out and it looks really good so uh check out that trailer too all right so um yeah the last bit of related to hbo Max. oh house of the dragon season two has started production and i know you binged watch succession are you completely caught up i am completely caught up uh, and i'm really glad that i did catch up because this most recent episode was just so ridiculously ridiculously good like one of the better episodes of tv that i've seen in a long time and i feel like it really gets to that emotional core of these characters and i feel like the fact that i binged it so hard made this episode feel like this kind of like emotional punch where when right at the end of the binge you get to this episode and you're like oh oh god and i i felt the episode for sure and if you haven't watched succession yet honestly like this episode should convince you to watch it because it's just that good and I feel like it really cuts to the core of these characters and it cuts to the core of like the humanity that's lost in a person when you decide to pursue wealth to this level, you know, like you're not allowed to mourn. You're not allowed to like have grief. You're not allowed to be shocked. You're not allowed to be sad. You're not allowed to be anything. You have to just be this calculating machine where as soon as something bad in your life happens, your first thought has to be, how is this going to affect my stock price? You know, and that is just like a, a loss of humanity that is just so sad to see in a person that, it's just shocking, you know, and this episode really nailed that so well. And I can't wait to see how the season plays out because there's, I think, like seven episodes left or so. And then the season's the series is over with. And if this is the height that this season's going to go for. So I cannot wait to see how they pull the rest of this off. All right. Yeah, it's one of those shows. There's a lot of shows out there that get great reviews. And I'm sitting there going, I need to watch this show. But there's just so many of them that it's like one of those ones I'd like to say, hey, I'm going to get to this. But. It's just, a, I, got, I mean, I got a lot going on and everything. So am I going to get to it? I'm going to be honest and say probably not, but I would like to one day, you know? One day. One day. And it's, it's definitely a- worth the binge, you know, because I binged through it really quickly, and it's such an t- intense, like, really funny watch that it's, it's a binge for sure. And I was so happy I could binge through it all because I didn't have to wait between seasons and the other between episodes. I was able to just, boom, and now I don't know how I'm going to wait till next Sunday. All right. Ready to talk about our final topic of the day? I'm ready. What do we got, Joe? All right. Final topic of the day is who is our uh, naming our MVP of the week? I think I have my nomination. I don't know if you have one, uh, but I'm curious what you. Give me, give me uh, your nomination, and then I will give you mine. All right. My nomination for MVP of the week is uh, Dave Filoni. We got him writing this or co-writing this episode of Mandalorian with John Favreau. We have him. Uh, writing all of um, uh, the Mandalorian, or not the Mandalorian, sorry, we got him writing Ahsoka, directing Ahsoka. We also have the announcement that he has a movie coming out. No one, I think, even just a few years ago would ever say, like, oh, Dave Filoni, who's basically kind of the head of Star Wars creative in a way, is going to be writing and directing a Star Wars movie, and here he is. Uh, I We normally, you know, at least I like nor- normally if we have the ability to give someone who's across multiple uh streaming services but i don't really think there's anyone uh crossing multiple streaming services but i believe disney plus if i were to say what streaming service did the best this week it would be disney plus and i think a lot of that is because of him so i think for me my nomination would be dave filoni for all of his work on star wars this week mm-hmm. yeah i think lucasfilm owes dave filoni a lot and when you see the reception of star wars celebration this week i feel like uh, two years ago that is not received so well you know what i feel like dave filoni's done so much work to like 
bring the brand of Star Wars back into a positive light that they could come back and announce a Ray movie and they can come back and announce, you know, he's getting his own movie. And even though like something like the Ray Skywalker movie is not playing on the streaming, I feel like you got to give Dave Filoni credit for that in a way too, because he helped the brand get to a point where they could do that. And I think if Mando wasn't received so well, they're not able to do that. So I'm giving the win to Dave Filoni too. That's my nomination. Uh, I feel like he's got so many wins on the streaming platform that you just got to give it to him. He had so much hitting this week, and it feels like he essentially had like a victory lap in Star Wars. You know, he's the George Lucas of Star Wars right now. He's in all but name, I feel like, the next Kathleen Kennedy, who's kind of like the overseer of where this thing goes. And I think he earned that with years and years and years of working as a Star Wars uh, creative and by hand-in-hand with George Lucas and yeah, now he, he is the lead of Star Wars now, so he got it. All right, and with that, our MVP for the week of April 12th is Dave Filoni. And so with that, before we close out, Tristan, I always end with a question for you. Uh, I watched a documentary about Brooke Shields. You watched a documentary about Roger Ebert, Life Itself. So my question for you is, if you could, ha- if you could have a documentary made, about anyone who currently works in the entertainment industry or worked in the entertainment industry, who would you want to see a documentary about? As the technical... Tommy Wiseau, you know? Tommy Wiseau? I got to get a Tommy Wiseau documentary. He has his follow-up to The Room, his, his second directed film coming out this week called Giant Shark, I believe, or maybe it's Big Shark. It's some, some kind of shark that is big and large and consuming the public. <laughs> so... Uh, check that one out but i gotta see the life of, of tommy wiseau he's such an odd figure in, and i feel like anytime you get him on camera he says something interesting so give me a look give me a look at that life all right great pick uh i like the pick and uh apologies to everyone for some of the small technical difficulties i feel like you were able to follow along hopefully and without further ado goodbye